Welcome to Superpowers for Good. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. Mark Alon Bosico, founder and CEO of Bonge in Haiti, joins us to share his efforts to lead the recovery from the devastating earthquake earlier this month. Building on his experience with the World Bank, Mark is leading economic development efforts to help his native country thrive. Mark, thank you for coming back to talk to me again. It's so good to see you. So, so good to see you, especially in these difficult times. I'm glad that you are safe. Thank you, Devin. It is um, some difficult time going on in Haiti, and I'm always happy, proud, and blessed um, to be able to talk to you every time I get the opportunity. So, Now, ironically, uh, because of the earthquake, uh, we're going to air this episode we're recording today uh, long before an episode we recorded 60 days ago that I will release sometime in September or October. So uh, that's sort of weird. Uh, and I just I mentioned that uh, in, a, in a way of apology to you and the audience that may be confused by an episode we air in a couple of weeks that will make no mention of an earthquake uh, that is devastating to Haiti and yet uh, hadn't happened when we recorded it. Uh, so anyway, I, I I wanted to sneak that in for context. Um, Mark, how's your family? Well, Devin, they're safe. I'd say that in the first place, but I think them and a lot of people right now are just having two feelings. First, if you lost someone, if you have somebody who's injured, you're worried, you're trying to make sure that they get as much support as possible. But also if you're safe, you're just questioning another one. Like that's Haiti, it just never stops. There's always something happening. When it's not an earthquake, it's a hurricane. When it's not a hurricane, it's a political crisis. When it's not a political crisis, it's an earthquake that comes back 11 years after the first one that kind of rashed um, Port-au-Prince. So it's, it's, it's a feeling of, gosh, is this going to stop one day? Or it's a feeling of, hey, let's try to get as much help as possible. Or it's a crazy feeling like the one I often have is, how can I help? How can I rebuild? Can we still focus on the future? So it's really a mix of things. Yeah. You know, there is some sad context. I I don't want to belabor it, but but we need to at least touch on the fact that there was a a major earthquake that hit Haiti 11 years ago. Had, Had the country really fully recovered from that devastating, overwhelming, incredible, historic uh, earthquake? I, I think that the biggest thing is it feels like there hasn't been a lot of lessons learned. Yes, we have been able to remove people from tent cities that were created in that last a lot of years. Um, yes, business has kind of resumed in a weird way because there hasn't really been a real stop or a real change. But when you look at 11 years later, an earthquake that is 7.2, so stronger than the first one, but that happened in a different part of the country and still able to create a, not as much death, because right now we're talking about 
more than 2,000 deaths, 95,000 houses destroyed um, or damaged. Um, we're not talking about the same size of divest, um, you know, disaster impact, but we're definitely looking at the same causes, bringing the same effects like we did not learn. We did not get a construction code changed in 11 years. Um, behaviors or emergency behaviors, patterns were not created. I think we're still at the same space. And the, the, the biggest worry is if that had happened in Port-au-Prince again, we probably would have had similar or even bigger um, disaster impact. So uh-huh. I don't think it's a feeling of something that has really changed. That's what we should be talking about right now. One of the things, so so you are leading a, a, a locally driven effort to raise a million dollars uh, to plow into uh, relief projects and entrepreneurship, uh, in especially in the devastated community, which is down south of Port-au-Prince. It's let me just insert a tangent. I think a lot of us in the United States have a really misshapen image of Haiti. Think of it as a very small country, and it's not big. Uh, like the United States, right? It's not comparable in size, but but it is a country, right? And so Port-au-Prince is quite a distance in in travel and uh, in miles from the area where the earthquake happened. Uh, so tell us yeah, a little bit about, about it's that. About four, it's about four, four, four and a half hours drive. And if you go all the way down to Jigami, it goes up to six hours of driving. And yeah, that's 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 a good amount of drive for an island in the Caribbean. The country is not small and the country is also very mountainous and we don't have great roads everywhere. I think the specific of this earthquake is that it happened in a lot of rural areas that are affected. And these rural areas already did not have any presence of state or government in them. And the road accesses are difficult and some of the mountains as well fell on the roads. So it, I, I recently heard that they finally cleared the roads, and that's already you know a week after um, that had yeah. happened. So that's a lot of lives that were at risk that are finally getting some relief um, support. Yeah, it is um, important to you that relief efforts. Uh, learned some lessons from the 2010 quake and the relief efforts there. And one of the lessons that I think you feel the country has learned is that relief efforts should be more locally driven, more locally controlled, um, because some of the outside influence didn't execute well in the relief efforts in some ways. Uh, is that fair? Am I mischaracterizing? What 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 don't I understand? Well, Devin, I think um, there's a very big difference between the relief efforts and the recovery process. Um, mm. I think relief efforts, bringing help to people who are there right now suffering is extremely important. It needs to be coordinated. It needs to be organized. And I think there 
you know, government has a big role to play. And right now, as you know, we don't really have a government because our president passed away, um, well, was assassinated um, recently. And the, you know, the government structure is difficult. I do think outside help is needed um, in as much as possible in a coordinated way. Uh, what I think is the biggest lesson from, from, from the last earthquake actually hasn't happened yet. And that's the reason why I'm stepping up early. It's because at some point we need to talk about recovery. We need to talk about bringing the economy back. We need to talk about education. How is it going to restart? We need to talk about what kind of opportunities that needs to be created in these affected areas so they can get back on track. And that's where last earthquake, we came up with a strategy, you know, with having, you know, this fund that was created um, jointly with the Clinton and the Prime Minister of Haiti, um, the, um, the recovery fund. And I think a lot of um, the work that was done did not involve enough locals. Um, and I think that is the category of people who knows the problems best, who knows exactly what they need and how they want to grow on the potential. And of course, training can happen. You can always open minds and create ideas and opportunities. But I think locals needs to be at the center of the recovery process, which is going to be a more longer term. I am not a specialist in emergency relief and I'm an economist. And as an economist, I know how important it is to be able to create value and social impact in the recovery process. And because of the work we do, we work with young people, we work with young leaders, we work with people who are, you know, influencers in their communities. And that was the first thing I got after the um, earthquake, even at the relief level, they were calling me, they were asking me, how can I help them and support what they're trying to do? And that's when I realized, oh my gosh, here is a whole category of people who are actually front side of things, but don't have as much access with the help that's coming towards Haiti. And that's when it came to my mind that we need to create a fund to empower them, not just for them to take action, but for them to also be empowered as young leaders being involved in the recovery process of their communities. They are the one that needs to drive the change that needs to happen there. And they don't always have the resources to do that. And that's where I wanna step in, hopefully because I'm able to be connected with people like you and other people around the world who also care about Haiti, not just in the short term, but also in the long term, to create a space and resources for them to directly connect with that aid, with that support that's coming toward Haiti and be the change that they want to be and give them the power to be that. Let's talk a little bit about this million dollar fund you're creating and what you hope to do with it. I, I think that the summary of the plan is to give 10,000 people to a or $10,000 to 100 people. And in Haiti, it's my impression, $10,000 is a lot of money. Um, and it will go a long way. It will do a lot of good. It will catalyze new projects. It will catalyze new businesses. Um, what is your thinking about this? Uh, and tell us more. Help us understand what you plan to do with the fund. So what we're going to be doing is to create a call for proposal um, for projects to be coming from locals and from the ground. We're also going to provide the power of our incubator because we have been able to 
um, work with young people in Port-au-Prince, in the north of Haiti. We've been running different programs where we are able to see the leadership coming out of young people or community-driven projects. And we think that even the money is just one part of what this is about. I think what really matters is how they're going to be able to mobilize their communities and how they are going to grow as leaders themselves. And I think $10,000 can be a lot of money. And that's what, that's also because we want them to do big things. And I think to be able to um, catalyze change, we need to invest. And I think in terms of the amount of money that needs to be put on the South, like I think there are probably going to be millions and billions of dollars committed to this recovery process. That $10,000 is a very small amount compared to what's going to come. But what's always the issue in Haiti, it's never the amount of the commitment. It's really the amount of execution. Are people really going to be working, leveraging this money, not just to have contracts and you know just do random work, but really be able to tackle real problems on the ground, solve real issues, and be able to go very far with what they're trying to do. And I think that's where I want to see the impact of the fund going, leveraging locals, having great ideas, big ideas, and also have them innovate in the way they want to tackle the process. You're an impressive guy. Uh, and I've, I've come to know you pretty well because of that, uh, because you are uh, a bit of a, a rock star in, in Haiti. You got your career started at uh, the International Development Bank and the World Bank. What are the lessons you take away from those experiences, working as an economist in that context, for thinking how you go about recovery today wow. in after this uh, earthquake? That is a great question, Devin. Um, I did spend many years, and I think I learned most of what I'm doing today is kind of a result of what I've learned along those days working in international development with the World Bank and the IDB. I think the biggest thing I learn is locals are always going to be the solution. They may be hard to work with. They may be cultural clash. But if the world wants to help Haiti, they need to support the locals because the locals are the one who stay. The locals are the one who drive the change because they are the one who are in the communities and they are the one who has the network that make things happen. And I remember before I left my job, I was working on this project um, in the North actually to create an incubator and see how we can bring that change. We had a lot of resources um, and you could see the dynamic of how people were mobilizing around this project, but we did stop the project because the IDB did not choose to continue. And I think I'm a real testimony of what it means to pursue what kind of started because one of the things I said to myself, if they want to do this, if they don't want to do it, I will. And I tried to see how I can mobilize the small resources that I had. And I am a local. Sometimes people picture me because of the English and because I've studied abroad and because I'm doing so many things. I am not an international. I am a local. So I am a locally driven project that is in touch with the locals in these communities. And I'm seeing how people are able to bring more than just money to projects. They are bringing their own efforts. They're bringing their local resources. And I think change is more beautiful when it's driven by locals 
because they are the one who are going to stay in these communities and then give birth to the other generation that's coming to these communities and make change continue in these areas. You spoke earlier about how you use the, the tools you've developed at Bonge to help this fund be successful, to actually launch meaningful projects that are part of a, an ongoing healthy recovery. Uh, let's take a minute now and talk about your Bonge success stories. It's Bonge has been a, a really inspirational success in so many ways because of the challenges, you, the incredible challenges you've really overcome there already. Uh, I mean, to not steal your thunder, but Bonge was devastated by uh, damage from a riot that left you thinking Bonge was done and you managed to help pull it back together and you're thriving now. So tell us a little bit about the Bonge success story so that people understand that when they back the fund, they really are backing someone with the capability to drive this successful economic recovery in this devastated region of Haiti. Just hearing you made me kind of think about what happened two years ago. Um, I think what happened was unfortunate. Um, and I did not expect it, just like we did not expect this earthquake to hit. It's always hard to predict how the course of history is going to go in Haiti. Um, but what matters is resilience. So what, what matters is still being able to have hope. And what really, really matters is to have a community. And I think that is the strongest element of our success story. We're not standing alone in this battle. We are a testimony of this concept in Haiti that's called Combit, which is hands together to make something happen. And it goes all the way back to our motto as a nation when it says, l'union fait la force, unity makes strength. That is how we have been able to succeed or to grow or to just to strive in the difficult situation. When Bange was, was hit, the community stood up and the community contributed to a fund that we had. And it's not just about fun. It's also, you know, when people come to this community today, they have that feeling that if they could make it, I'll succeed in my startup, even if it's hard right now. If I'm standing in this space right now, I'm standing next to people who are not afraid of down and they can stand up when things are hard. Um, I think it kind of become the driver of what our brand represents when when it comes to young people and young entrepreneurs and young leaders and i think that's why we want to stand up again today because that's what we represent and by by being able to overcome what happened in 20 um in 2019 it kind of gives us the credibility that we are fighters and we can make things happen and we do similar programs you know similar to what we're going to be doing in the in the south and when we when the young leaders come to our program, they know when we tell them that they have to fight, it really means that they have to fight because they're not talking to people who are just standing up there and telling them to fight from far. They are talking to fighters. And I think when someone support what we're trying to do, um, they don't just support Bonge, they support the entire meaning of what we do means. 
and how it can motivate others to stand up. And I think there's nothing more that we need in the South right now than people standing up. Um, it can be a situation where everybody just lie down and it's too much pressure. They'll just let the international do their thing because they're going to bring their resources and do it. No, we want young leaders underground to stand up. And oftentimes they don't stand up because they think they don't have the resources, but the resources are around them. And that's what we're bringing to them, whether it's money, whether it's network. And I wanted to talk about the fun a little bit, how transparent we want to run it. So we're going to put a website on, we're going to put all the projects on them. Everyone who contributed to the fund will be able to see exactly what project they put their money on. Um, and we will be able to help them follow the story of these young leaders on the ground. We are going to build a board. I'm not going to be the only one deciding where this money is going to go. The board is going to be con it's, it's constituted of whoever contributes at least to five projects, which is around $50,000 to the fund. You will have to come to the table with me and discuss how we're going to allocate this. We had determined a few um, sectors that are priority for us, like construction. We also want to focus on um, education, agriculture, tourism, child protection. There are many other sectors. They can go on our website, you know, um, if they want to um, read more about what we, the sectors we want to prioritize. We want to do this together. That's kind of what I'm trying to tell you, Devin. This is never just a Mark thing. It's always a Mark and his community thing. And I think that includes you and that includes everyone who wants to join and participate in what we're doing. Well, that, that is your uh, approach. It's your whole model. And uh, in the book, Superpowers for Good, that uh, is coming out in a few days, you're profiled in it because of that strength. And, and this other episode that you and I recorded is really about all that and about your distinctive strength. We, we call it, or you call it, connecting the dots. And it really is a powerful chapter in the book to, to talk about. And I don't want to steal that today. And, and, but... Uh, and evidence of your superpower is the, the, the little tech companies you are incubating there at Bonge in Port-au-Prince. This is the, the model you're developing for how you can then take entrepreneurial coaching down to uh, southern Haiti that's now been devastated. But, but let's come back to Port-au-Prince for just a minute. What are the projects, the companies, the entrepreneurs that are having the most success that you're most excited about that are coming out of bonds that you have been supporting? I think um, the work that we're doing has grown a bit beyond just tech companies. And I think it's also because of context. Um, we do our, our most amazing projects and things that we really want to do. Uh, some of them involve fintech. Some of them involve um, uh, um, health tech. We live in a country that's that has a lot of distance that we're talking about. So health tech, we have one that we're super passionate about um, that's called Radiocam, helping people getting x-ray analyzed from Port-au-Prince or from anywhere around the world for communities who don't even have access to a radiologist but can have an online connection. Um, these type of projects are what really drive us and that's kind of where we want to see ourselves in the future. But it feels like with everything going on in Haiti, We've kind of like taken a, a longer way, I'd say, um, by going back to the traditional sectors and literally empowering entrepreneurs to just make things happen. I think we kind of became an incubator that focuses on 
making young people dreams come true. And in that sense, it really about bringing the same methodology that we have developed for our tech startups, opening like as like an API to anyone who's trying to do a project. And our most recent experience has been in the north of Haiti, working in the middle of COVID digitally with some entrepreneurs um, in the north. We're literally just helping them making things come true. And that includes anything that ranges from small businesses where we took a group of young people who actually never built a business before from building a chocolate business up to today empowering peasants around the city where they live to just go and plant um, new cocoa trees so they can support the sector. We also help people create a, you know, a trash collection system in their cities where there's no government presence that could actually help them do that. Um, we've worked with entrepreneurs who create like the first gas station in their community for people to stop cutting um, woods and you know be a determinant to the environment. We kind of realized that working with these different organizations to just go there and do a lot of first in a lot of communities is the basis that we need because these people are going to grow, their business are going to grow, and somewhere tech is going to come back in the picture. And then take all that resource that's created and all that leadership as well that is created in these communities to just uplift. I feel like we're still building a runway, like just four years later, um, using different strategies, still supporting tech startup as much as we can, but also going back and make a case for young people to be able to just make their dreams come true. And when we decided to create the fund, for me, it's the biggest challenge that we've taken in the, since we started this company to just do good, do change for people, is saying we've probably supported about, about um, 21 different projects in the North, and we tell ourselves we're going to go into 100. And can you imagine what 100 can do for the South? But can you also imagine how much pressure it's going to put on us, put on us who are going to be volunteering to do this? So we are also opening up to um, volunteer coach. We're going to train them with our methodology. This is really expanding um, the scope of the work that we're doing. And we're taking that challenge as we step into continuing making a difference in a different part of the country. So there's a lot that's going to be happening. It's going to be a busy year coming ahead, coming ahead but we are totally satisfied because we think that everything we do is just going to be building stronger communities and stronger communities are going to be more ready for the bigger change. That change that we talked about in 2017 um, when we had um, 2018, early 2018, when we had that first podcast and saying we want to transform the economy. It's been that, probably taking a longer way towards where we're going, probably have to you know overcome a lot of issues before we get there, but it's still, still the same determination to get where we want to go. Yeah, that's, it is incredible work that you're doing and the impact is substantial already. Uh, and I think what you see, the fundamental thing you see, correct me if I'm wrong, is that Haiti, Haiti's future is tied directly to building a strong economy. And a strong economy starts with locally grown businesses that prosper and thrive. Am, am, I, am I missing something? You're absolutely right, Devin. And I just think I want to say strong economy comes from strong businesses creating value 
And that comes from stronger people, stronger leadership to be able to drive that change. I absolutely agree with you. I want to go back to where we started. Uh, I don't want uh, you to think I'm exploiting your family. But I think it's important for our audience to have context. Um, Your family and their friends, your friends are among those who are suffering. Your family, you you describe them as safe. But I think some family members have lost homes or had their homes severely damaged. They certainly are near and have seen friends and neighbors die, be injured, suffer. Again, I, I, I don't want to exploit their suffering, but I want to make sure that the audience that's listening understands that this is deeply personal for you and not uh, an opportunity solely for you to, to, to come in and help. But this is, this is something that you are experiencing through your family in a very personal way. And I think it's important for our audience to feel that. Uh, do, do you mind sharing Mark, some of what your family's seeing and experiencing? So, so, so my mom is from Cavaillon, and that's um, about 15 minutes from Lecai, which is the capital city of the South. Um, so I grew up going to Cavaillon as a kid. So um, my family um, would always want me to kind of go back to their roots and not grow up as a you know, urban guy. So I would learn how to swim in the river um, in Cavaillon. And my grandmother um, raised three kids um, with no husband. Um, and her kids wanted to build her a house, you know? Um, and for years we put money together, um, my mom, my aunt, my uncle, um, to just build this house for her beautiful house. And that's the house I, I grew up going on vacation on. And I met a lot of people in the community. I have a lot of friends because I used to go there on vacation all the time. And after what happened, just looking at my grandmother's house on the floor, for me, it sends a first message on diaspora investing back um, in the communities, all lost. And all the beautiful houses, even the church, which is an iconic element of the city, was all on the floor. And some people that I know from my vacation time are actually injured, Um, but they're safe. When I said people are safe, I just didn't want to dive into what that exactly means in a sense. People are safe, that means they're all alive, but I'm sure they're traumatized. Um, And I'm sure they don't have a space to stay right now, right? So that's why we, first thing we started doing is trying to see how we can send them um, materials, relief materials. But like I told you, this is not our space of intervention. You kind of, you want to do as much as you can, but you're stronger where you best at. Um, so we send, we send um, uh, relief materials that we collected from our community 
Um, just yesterday, we did a blood drive at our space, inviting everyone in Port-au-Prince to come and give blood so that the public entities in health um, can find blood for those who need it. It's estimated that there's about 12,000 people injured in the entire South, and there's only 700 packets of blood available right now. So uh, we needed to bring our own contribution, and I think more people should bring their contribution as they can. But also some people need to think about the future. So yes, it is very personal in a sense that this is where my family comes from. These are people that I know. These are friends. These are family who are down there. And I still think that if we can help them build a better future for themselves, there will be at less danger in the future because they will know better, because they will build better, because they would have basically more health and more social impact. This is what we're good at. This is how we can contribute. And this is why I want to focus on that mostly and not just the relief effort. But I think every help is important and everyone should do something as much as they can because this nation has been suffering for way too long. And yeah. is this the only solution? I don't think so. But I think we should always asking ourselves, what more can we do? And that question needs to drive, especially for locals, um, the change that we want to see in this country. Yeah. Of the million dollars you've already raised, let me look. I think this morning the tally is $54,705.77. Yeah, but we're already at $100,000 based on offline contributions. Oh, wow. And we do have two commitments from two NGOs um, that are going to add another 100000 on it. So I think we are about 200000 so that's 20% of the goal. Um, and I hope that more people will come on board. A lot of people like you, Devin, are trying to share the story around. Um, and it is a challenge. I've never raised a million dollars before. So um, I hope that with this... We can also truly show the power of our system and how it works and really put those locals at the center. So, yeah, we're 20% in. We're hoping that more people will come in and support yeah. and get this done. Well, this is this is an important model, and I, I, I appreciate the distinction you draw between relief and recovery. And uh, that transition is already beginning, right? Uh, the... Relief is ongoing, but it's time to start thinking about uh, beginning the recovery efforts and regrowing the economy, rebuilding housing, et cetera, right? I think in a month or two, news are going to shift. People are going to shift. There's probably going to be another crisis somewhere else around the world. And people will start forgetting about the South of Haiti. The ones who are not going to forget about the South of Haiti are the locals who live in Haiti or live in the South of Haiti. And I think that is when we're going to stand up to keep the story going, leveraging every power we have to keep attention on the North, but also to grow, new, innovate, and support the recovery process. And that's when it really starts, yeah. Yeah. Well, this is, uh, this is fantastic, Mark. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to share your story. I know you're extraordinarily busy you always are, and of course, in the middle of this crisis, more than ever, uh, please give our best to your family, 
Uh, we recognize that, that those that are still in the South are suffering now and uh, know that our thoughts and prayers are with them and that we hope uh, for the best for them. And uh, for our audience, I encourage you to, to share this episode uh, as broadly as you can on social media. Think about reaching out to individuals in your network. Uh, that might be in a position to, uh, especially those who might be in a position to to do the uh, $50,000 join the board program uh, and support five of these initiatives. Uh, uh, and I want to encourage uh, everybody to, to give what you can, whether it's $5, $10, $50, or $500. Give what you can. Every penny will help. Uh, drive a uh, an effective local uh, recovery. Is that is that a fair plea? Correct me anywhere you do. You feel like I should be corrected, Mark? No, I think you're absolutely right. I think people should just know that they have to go on www.haitianleadersimpactfund.com so they can just read about the initiative, how it came about, how we want to go about it. And it's going to be the same website later on when we have the projects that we're going to put the projects on so they can, it can be transparent who received what and what the stories are being supported. I think yeah. you're absolutely right. And I'm super grateful um, for you, Devin, always giving us an opportunity to leverage your superpower, which is to spread news around and connect people as well in your specific way. Thank well, you. Well, thank you. Thank you, Mark. Now, I think, too, your crowdfunding side is at... Uh, donorbox.org, Haitian-leaders-impact-fund. But it also connects with the Haitian Leaders Impact Fund that come as well. It's redirected there. Um, Every donation is tax deductible. Um, We partner with a specific NGO. um, It's called Little Footprint Big Steps that is able to provide um, tax um, deductible paperwork for US and Canada. So every money you contribute, you can always claim it back on your tax. So you can give as much as you can if you want to support this. Hey, fantastic. Well, again, Mark, thank you very, very much for uh, for joining me. We wish you every success in your effort to, to drive a robust, healthy, strong recovery that really remakes and uh, to steal a line from a friend, re, uh, build back better uh, in uh, in Southern Haiti, okay? Thank you, Devin. All righty. listening. Thank you, thank you. If you're not already a subscriber, join us at join.s4g.biz.